Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, and uh, we're going to go to verse 1, and uh, God is good. You know, things are really happening. I don't know if you've noticed that. Well, if you're, you're a Christian, you're looking around, you go, wow. I mean, it's, we're, we live in exciting times. You look, at, uh, you look at the stuff that's going on in the Middle East, you look at stuff that's going on in our own country, and you're just going, wow. It's just, you know, it's amazing. And then you see people out there that just don't see it. I mean, they're just like, they're like, just going along like everything's normal. And let me tell you, it's not normal. It's not normal. It was a whole lot more normal a couple years ago, but it's not normal now. I mean, we had chaos a couple years ago, but it's, it's not normal. But anyways, today or tonight, Revelation chapter 2 in verse 1. And let's go ahead and stand. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. And we see here Revelation chapter 2. And I have to keep saying that because I'm not there. I have to move up the page here, get in the right spot. And we, here we go, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, I'll read. Unto the angel of the church of the e Ephesus write, These things saith he, uh, he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for uh, my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove the, thy candlestick out of this, his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, uh, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you for uh, the moments we have within your word. I pray that you'd bless them. We thank you for the worship of uh, song. We thank you, God, for the special. And, Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming and being born in a manger over 2,000 years ago for us. You, you lived a life for 33 years, and then you went to a cross, and you died for our sins. And thank you, God, that you not only died for our sins, but you were buried in a tomb, and that tomb couldn't hold you. Three days later, you rose again. And thank you for that, how that brings hope within the Christian's life. And, Lord, help us, Lord, to... Uh, I pray that if there's somebody here that hasn't put their faith in you, I pray that they would put their faith in you tonight. And, Lord, I pray that you just help us, Lord, as we look at this passage, that uh, you'd bless it, we pray. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We see that uh, remembering our first love. And we see, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love, in verse 4. You know, it's an amazing thing. Being around excited people, it's an amazing thing. I remember back in the 70s being in a church that I was saved in. And I remember being in that church, and it was a growing church. It was an exciting church. It was somewhat of a large church. It was exciting. I can, I, I'm sure you've heard me talk about uh, Jerry Lundquist. He was a big, strapping guy. I mean, I remember him coming by and shaking hands. I mean, he probably shook seven people's hands in the time I shook one person's hand. He was running around, and he was excited. And you could just tell he had a love. And he wasn't the only one that was that way. And I remember him shaking my hand. I was a teenager. And that guy was, we worked on the railroad, and he had a huge hand. 
strong guy, strapping guy. He'd come along, and I was just a teenager, but he'd shake my hand, and I felt like a rag doll, you know? I was like, thank you, yeah, hello. And, and uh, But he had little excitement in his life, amen? He worked the bus route. He was a bus captain. He was bringing in some, uh, he always had 55, 60 riders on his bus. And those kids were excited, too. He had one of the most exciting buses. He had several buses in that, in that group of buses that they would bring in. They had buses come from Seattle up to Linwood, Washington, and different places. And his was always the most excited uh, bunch of kids there were. And I'm, I'm sure they, they'd get into some trouble there, too, because, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but, but he was excited, and those kids were excited. And we, we have the opportunity. And I, I, being around people that are excited, do you want to be around people that are excited? They're going somewhere, doing something. And I believe we live in an exciting time. Today we live in an exciting time. Some people go, they look around and they dread for the fact that the things that they know, there's people that know things that go, wow, this isn't looking good. And, but we understand that we're trusting God. Man, we're supposed to trust God. Even in the midst of things going backwards or sideways, whatever way that might go, we're supposed to trust God. We think about how today, uh, as we think about things to remember, we think about this, we're, we're to remember some things. We think about God. Uh, God's reminders are found in his word, amen? They're found in his word. You know, we, we know the word of God says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You know, our faith needs to go somewhere, needs to be something. Uh, and if it's going to do something, we need to get in God's word. And we need to be excited for the right reasons. Uh, you know, uh, you can be... Uh, you can, you can look around and be discouraged. I'm telling you, there's some pe discouraged people today. But if you get in God's word, you get in to know what God's doing, uh, you can be excited. Note the city of uh, Ephesus was an urban city of the Roman Empire, a cosmopolitan uh, city uh, uh, of various classes of people. Uh, we think about the Temple of Diana, one of the seven wonders of the world. Uh, the Church of Ephesus, Ephesus excuse me, was a center of the world evangelism during the ministry of the Apostle Paul. It was the only church to receive letters from two apostles, Paul and John. The, church are, uh, the churches are referred to, it as, to as candlesticks, and the pastors are re uh, referred to as the stars. And so as we think about that, you know, we think about the, um, in here, note, that he holds seven stars in his hand, and these stars are the messengers or pastors of the seven churches. It is possible the messengers came to John from these churches and received the book of Revelation from him personally. The stars are the messengers. Christ holds his servants in his hand. They looked at Christ as head. And so we think about here uh, in today's message, we see the church that had lost its first love. It is obvious it had lost its first love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it says this. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2, it says, Though I speak with tongue, or with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass, or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. Think about all the different things you can have. Uh, the ability to move in mountains or mountains through prayer and things like that, and you don't have love, you're missing it all. We as Christians, we have the opportunity to have that love, and that love shows. And so here we see the Lord's complaint. Uh, we, need to we need to understand that uh, uh, a church needs to be caring. It needs to have compassion, making the difference. There's a reason why we have a van that goes out into, into the neighborhoods. 
is because we want to show forth compassion. We want to get out there with the gospel. There's a reason why we have an altar call. And praise the Lord, it ought, to, it ought to grieve some of us if we go to a church and they don't have an altar call, an opportunity for someone to receive Christ as their Savior. That ought to grieve some of us Christians. Uh, it, it ought to be the opportunity to people to see or hear the gospel and, and have that opportunity. We have a world that needs that opportunity. We support missions for the reason we sacrifice. Some of you sacrifice for missions so we, ha- we can get that love out. We can show there's a God that loves them, that cares for them, and there's missionaries out there that are giving out the gospel, seeing people getting saved. And that wouldn't happen unless there was people here supporting here in the United States. Not just supporting financially, but also praying and getting behind these works. We think about works, a serving, working church. And praise the Lord, uh, Bible Baptist Church is a working church. Praise the Lord, I've been part of some churches that have been working churches. Churches that would roll up their sleeves and work. Different churches that I've been a part of where there, there, there was a, perhaps even a larger bus ministry. Or uh, there'd be dozens of teachers and a lot of activity and Praise the Lord when people roll up their sleeves and, and work. I praise the Lord for some of the uh, elderly people here at Bible Baptist Church that have taken on the responsibility, and maybe some other people uh, that said, you know, I'll pray. I'll pray. I can't do everything, but I can pray. And they, they constantly tell me about how they're praying every week, every day, and they're praying for people at Bible Baptist Church. We need that. We're all part. We're all part. We're all part of this body of Christ, this church. And we have that ability to move forward only as a church. Only together do we move forward. I've been part of companies before where I thought, wow, we're uh, talking and we're in some business meeting. And, and um, in the past, I remember uh, I was working for a certain dairy. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it was a certain dairy. And this is back in the early 2000s. And there was the CEO of the company. And he's talking about how are we going to turn this boat around? In the back of my mind, I already know that the oars in, that are in the water from that boat that we're in in that business boat uh, are going in different directions. And you're going, oh, this isn't good. And there needs to be some better or- orchestrations. There needs to be some, you know, some changes. But, yeah, if you could bring that up, that'd be good. You can tell I'm getting thirsty. Anyways, it's a desert out there. Anyways, but we think about how we as Christians, we need to be all moving in the same direction with the same love with the same comp- uh, compassion and, and care. Excuse me for a second here. The same compassion and care. And I would say that there are churches out there, and there's plenty of churches out there that have lost their first love. They've lost their first love. Nothing's happening. It's dead. Nothing's going on. Nobody's being saved. Nobody's being discipled. Nobody's getting baptized. Kids aren't excited. Have you noticed that there are some kids that are excited here at Bible Baptist Church? I'd be a little concerned if the kids were not excited. Some of you might go, well, they're certainly making some rustle over there, some noise. I like that. I like that when they're, you know, some of these kids, they come in here and they're getting an envelope and they're making a little noise like they're talking about their offering that they're bringing to church. And that's exciting to me. You know, they're coming in here. You know, uh, they're not the church. You know, some people say that they're the church of tomorrow, and that's true, but they're also the church of today. And so... We at Bible Baptist Church, we need to be careful, and we need to make sure that we, uh, we have that love, and we keep that love center and, and foremost within the center of our lives. So we can move, I mean, we can move mountains. We can do all kinds of different things through prayer and different things. Uh, we can do some great things, but if, we need to be, take uh, inventory. If we don't have love in the middle of our lives, we need to get back there. We need, if, we, if we've lost that first love, we need to get it back. 
we think about how uh, the early church was uh, marked by missionary and evangelic, evangelistic uh, zeal as seen in the house-to-house witness for Christ, the missionary journey of Paul and the fervent witnesses of men and women like Stephen, Philip, Ananias, Barnabas, Priscilla, and Aquila, etc. The church of Ephesus was a veritable a beehive of Holy Spirit activity. Uh, and that basically what Lee, uh, Lee Men uh, Strauss commentary on Revelation says. We think about how it was a beehive of activity. It was moving forward. Uh, I think it's an amazing thing that over so many years that had everybody in this world had heard the gospel. Jesus had said, he said, go and, and, and tell them, get out there and do it. The whole world, every person needs to hear the gospel. And they had accomplished that. Why? Because they were steadfast. And they had that love, and, and many of them didn't diminish. They continued on. And so here's a quote. I care not where I go or how I live or what I endure to uh, endure so that I may have soul, uh, save souls. When I sleep, I dream of them. When I awake, the, uh, they are the first in my thoughts. And that's David Brenner. We think about being so consumed about others receiving Christ that they would consume our lives, that we would have that compassion. Certainly, if we had the compassion that Jesus did, we would have that. We need to be concerned about others. Some of us, we might be setting our eyes, and we know the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back, but maybe we put the brake pedal on a little bit and saying, well, he's coming back. We don't need to do it. Work as hard. We need to work harder, amen? amen. Uh, we're leaving this world. We're leaving a, a, a world that is dying and going to hell. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, let me tell you, uh, religion isn't going to get you there. Uh, coming into coming into a, a church or a Bible believing church, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, uh, you're not going to get there. When we think about the Lord Jesus Christ has done all that is needed for us to be saved. We bring nothing up to the table other than ourselves. We surrender our, surrender our lives to Him, and we accept that gift of eternal life. Well, it's an amazing thing how He how in Ephesians two how there in Ephesians He says that that is a gift of God. It's an amazing thing that we can understand. We can know that we're on our way to heaven, but the fact that it's a gift, meaning you can't earn it. You can't earn a gift. If you earn a gift, it's not a gift. And what Jesus has done for us. And so we think about that gift of eternal life. There's nothing like giving gifts. It's a, it's a blessed thing. I know we've been busy giving gifts at, at home. We've been giving, The other day I, I stopped my, uh, uh, my work truck, and I went over to somebody I didn't know, and I gave them a gift card and a track. And I said, Jesus loves you. Here's the gift. And uh, gave it to somebody I didn't know. It was something our family is doing. We're doing it. Uh, we're going through and, and being a blessing to certain people. And, you know, that really is a blessing to me. I don't know. That person was probably blessed and things like that. But it was a blessing to me to do something for somebody I totally didn't know. And we think about how Jesus, he did, he, you know, he did stuff for all kinds of people. He cared for people. And he, he wants this church, we think about God, he wants this church to care for people and care for those that are out there. We think about how uh, we need to have patience. Today we, we have uh, a fast-paced world, and that fast-paced world means, means that, oh, we don't have as much patience. We, we want things now. We go through the drive-thru. Boy, it's taking a long time. It's taking two minutes. Where's my Big Mac? And uh, we're waiting. We're going through Starbucks. We're, what's taking them so long? In reality, it takes us three minutes to get through there, and, and you know time gets going so fast, and so and we got to slow down a little bit sometimes and realize you know we need to be patient. 
Um, we think about uh, what a great opportunity. We think about Galatians 6, verse 9 through 10. We see here Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to unto all men, especially unto them who are the, of the household of faith. We have the opportunity to be a blessing. We have the opportunity to prove God through his word. I think about the fact that Mary, earlier today I talked about in Sunday school, that Mary uh, did it according to his word, the word of God. Oh, that if uh, we as Christians would take God's word seriously and follow it and say, God, I'm going to do your word today. I'm going to follow your word. I'm, I'm obeying in this thing. And when we do that, we give God opportunity to work in a powerful way. I think about the early Christians. Uh, they had a caring church, but they had a church that was following his word. And they, had, they were caring because they followed his word. Just, we're going to care for people because that's what God's word says to do. We're going to have the law. We're going to have the love that God had. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What kind of love does it take to do that? Think about the love that we need to have. And certainly if we get to know our Savior as we ought to, we ought to uh, reflect that love. Amen. It ought to be bright. It ought to be. If it's a reflection of our Savior's love, you get close enough to somebody. If you get close enough to somebody, pretty, pretty soon you uh, start to pick up on their mannerisms and you start to reflecting what they're doing. And if you have a heart for people as Jesus has a heart, it's going to show. And I think of the early Christians because they were able to do great things. You know, when they caught the, the, those disciples and they brought them before the magistrates and they said, well, these are the people that have turned the world upside down. That was, that's what the world was saying about them. There's something going on here. What's going on? Uh, you guys got to stop doing what you're doing. You got to stop preaching this gospel because it was powerful. And they, all these people were obeying God's word. They were getting saved. They were getting baptized. And they weren't stopping. They were getting... There are people getting saved and baptized every day, thousands of them every day, thousands of them all throughout the world. People were hearing the gospel. The gospel was going forth, and there was boldness. There was power, God's power, and it was an impressive thing. We understand today that, you know, that we still serve the same God. We still serve the same God. God has not changed. We today, we serve the same God that they served. And we have that opportunity. We think about how uh, today we have that opportunity to stand according to his word. Uh, we understand that they stood against evil and apostasy. They marked those that would cause division. But they, they marked that. They knew what it was. And they pointed it out. And they stood against it. They didn't just let it go. We need to stand against evil and apostasy. The Corinthian church allowed evil, but the church did not accept every apostle. Note the church was comma uh, commanded for its intolerance, with uh, commanded for its intolerance, with false doctrine, false teachers, and impostors who claimed ap apostolic authority. Since John was the last living apostle of the first century, it would be those who perhaps would make false claims, like the Gnostic gospel writers did. We see that they notice, and First John four uh, one says this: "I, uh, I, or beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits to see whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone 
out into the world. Now, how are you going to try it? You know how you try it? By the word of God. Does it hold water? Does it float? In God's word, it'll probably sink. But we understand that we need to try it in God's word. Does it hold up? That means we know God's word. We have an understanding. So we need to understand that also we see that there's the Lord's command, Lord's concern. Their pa- passion had lessened here in verse 4. We see that, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. You've walked away. We as Christians, we can walk away uh, from our first love. That fire that burned brightly, that fire that burned brightly, that excitement has diminished away. And that fire has gone out. We need to stoke that fire up and get it going. We need to spend time with God and get God to get our fire, get our lives, get our joy, our, our compassion, that excitement going in our lives. And uh, so the Lord can do something with it. And so the Lord is concerned. He's concerned with us, each and every one of us. We need to be concerned. They had lost their first love. They had lost the excitement of the resurrection. Ephesians 1.15 says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints. We think about how they had lost that. They had forgotten about that. The first love is always filled with zeal and excitement. And we think about the love that we can have. And uh, in the past, I remember some people, uh, I think some preachers have said that, you know, when you first get saved, don't hang around these folks over there. They've been saved a while. <laughs> you know, don't hang around those folks that have been saved for 20 years. You, you keep your excitement and get excited for the Lord and allow God to do something in your life. And he'll do something great. Serving was not, we think about how serving sometimes for some people is not with joy. You ever thought, you ever heard, been told the, the fact that, uh, uh, I know that some people say, well, you're not supposed to be happy at work, you know, you shouldn't be happy at work, whatever, what's wrong with you? Uh, you go to work, and, and some people f- say that, well, if you, if you uh, enjoy what you're doing, it's not work, right? You go, to, you go to work, they just pay me to come show up, you know? And I've heard some people talk like that, and they're happy to go to work, and they're excited. Well, it, you should be happy about being a Christian. Some of us, we need to be excited about what the Lord's going to do. And I know the pastor keeps mentioning, he, he says little things here and there, he says, uh, if we're still here in 2022, hello, <laughs> the Lord's coming back. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, I know we've heard it a long time, but I'm telling you, we're right at the back doorstep. We're right at the back doorstep. I, I can't imagine. I, I, I know that I know I've had people in the past that said, I don't know if we could go another 20 years. And they said that 35 years ago. But I'm telling you, we're at the back door. And the, and the Lord, is he still wants to do something. Imagine if we, uh, imagine if we decided, you know, we decided, you know what, God really wants to do something. You know, it's, it's, it's that last stretch of time. God knows how much time he has. We don't know, but God knows how much time he has left. Imagine the things that he would do. Think about it. If we would just be in a place that he could bless us, bless us with souls, be in a place where he could bless us with the gospel, I believe he would. I believe he knows where he's at. We, we certainly, we're looking at him. We're trusting him. It may be another year, two years, five years, but we understand that I believe we're at the right back door, and I believe he knows. And I just believe that we need to be in the right place at the right time, and I believe he'll bless us. We have the gospel to get it out. We need to be bold with it. We need to be excited about it. And I think about the serving with joy. We need to serve with joy. I think about the, that old hymn, prone to wonder, oh, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. 
there's a lot of churches, a lot of Christians today that have, they've left the Savior. They've left the Lord. They've left that love. And today, we need to have that love. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We think about how there's coming a time when we'll see Jesus. Uh, we think of the fact that there's coming a time when this world will see Jesus and Jesus with eyes of flame. He'll be the Jesus, the powerful Jesus. He won't be the lamb. He'll be the lion. He's coming back. He's coming back. Eventually, he's coming back after seven years. He's coming back to rule. And let me tell you what. He's coming back. He means business. We need to be ready. This is the God we serve. And there is still, and I understand something, there is still something called faith. And it's not something you can see directly, but you know it. Spiritually, you know it. God's word tells us. We think about how their witness, uh, their witness had diminished here in verse 5. As we see verse 5 of our text, Revelation 2, 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, uh, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of this place, except you repent. We live in a day and age where people forgot how to repent. Get right. Turn. I think Pastor talked about how Moses, this morning he talked about how Moses stepped between the children of Israel and God. God was going to clean their clock. God was going to just start over. Moses walks up and he reasons with God. He talks on their behalf. He tells them, listen, what are the enemy, what are they going to say? You know what? This, world's need, this world needs somebody to talk to God and say, God, there's people that are still not saved. Does it bother us? Are we concerned? We think about Moses. He had the gumption to go before God, knowing who God was. <laughs> you know, knowing who God was. He had a relationship with him. But he, I'm telling you, here's a guy that came down glowing. You know, and we talk about when he came down with those, uh, the Ten Commandments. He's glowing. He's seen God's backside. He saw, and he spent time with God, knowing how powerful God is. And he stands between them, between God and those people. Where do we stand today? Where do we stand today? And are we concerned? And I'm talking to myself today, man. I'm, I'm preaching to myself. So in case you're wondering. But we think about how the word of God needs to constrain us. We think about 2 Corinthians 5.14. The love of Christ constraineth us. It ought to constrain us. It ought to bring us back. It ought to get us where we need to be. We think about how um, today their witness, or to back then their witness had diminished. The, the lack of love. They were fallen. Their light was diminished. There's nothing like seeing a car run down the road and it's got something go wrong with it. The batteries are going out or the alternator. The light is dimming. And that's us sometimes. When we're not spending time in God's word, we're not time, spending time on our knees. That's us. That light is diminished. We're uh, not looking to it too sharp in the world today. But when we spend time with God, we have, we have a reflection of God. We have the, a bright headlights. We have the bright countenance of God within our life. And God's power is able to work within our lives. Here's a quote. In the midst of, gener uh, of a generation screeping for answers, Christians are stuttering. Hen uh, Howard Hendricks said that. Christians are stuttering. We think about the importance of getting the gospel out. We as Christians, we need to get the gospel out. We think about handing out the track. We talk about maybe even talking about what's on that track, going through the Romans Road and talking to somebody about their need for salvation, their need for salvation. There's nothing more important. Amen? We might be busy. We might be in a hurry. I've got some schedules. I've got to be here and there and whatever. But how about taking a few moments and telling someone about how to be saved? 
we have that opportunity. There's people still haven't heard. I know, I, I know that we don't, we, we don't live in the Bible Belt. I know in the Bible Belt, everybody knows the gospel back and forth, which is whatever I've heard. But here, people know, don't even know the gospel. Are we concerned? We think about how today we have that opportunity to remember our first love, to get back where God can bless us. And uh, it's so important to do that. Matthew 24, 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Today, many, many people have waxed cold. They're so distant from where they used to be. Their love has waxed cold. 2 Timothy 4.10 says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. We think, think about the people that have ran, that have left God. Today we need people to get back with God. I praise the Lord God. We have a servant God that is, is uh, a great God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. He continues on. He gives us, he loves us. He wants us to get back into it and to trust him. We think about how the Lord's counsel, we need to remember uh, there in Psalms 105, verse 5, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. We need to remember Psalms 143, verse 5 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on thy works of thy, of thy, of the, uh, of thy hands. We think about the fact that we're meditating upon it, musing upon it, meaning you're meditating upon it, you're musing on it, remembering what God has done. I think today we have, we're, we're the entertainment, we're the entertainment uh, people, aren't we? We have entertainment everywhere we go. We've got entertainment on our phone, we got entertainment and we go home, and we, we allow that to fill our heads, don't we? <laughs> and by the way, you're not alone, I, I, I'm telling you. You can, you, can get, you can watch videos about the Bible, you can watch videos about this and that, and uh, I think we can allow someone else to fill our heads with things. Well, how about allowing God's word to fill your head with some things and to direct us and guide us? Today, we have a great need to remember what God has done, remember what God did on the cross for us. It's a great thing to remember what he did on the cross for us, and not only just for us, but for others. We also need to understand that we need to repent, change of heart, attitude, and direction. The result of this uh, repentance is the return to the first works, the works of love. In We think about this book. There's a book uh, says, I Surrender by Patrick Morley, writes that the church's integrity problem is, a, is, is in the miscon misconception that we can add Christ to our lives but not subtract sin. It is, it is a change of, in belief without a change in behavior. He goes on to say it is revival with, without reformation. Without repentance, We've, we have a generation that doesn't repent. They just add Jesus to everything they got going on. We're not supposed to add Jesus to what we got going on. He's supposed to transform us. Amen. Second Corinthians seven, seven uh, nine through ten says, "Now I rejoice, not that we that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing." In verse 10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. James 4, 8 says this, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We have a great need today for people to get back and repent. Turn, you know, you know what repentance is, don't you? You realize what the direction you're going is wrong. 
You're going in this direction. And repenting is simply turning around and going the other way. You're, 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 you're agreeing with God that you're going the wrong way. And you confess it before God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from what? All our unrighteousness. And then we start, we start hoofing it the other way. We're showing that God, hey, I mean business. We need some Christians today that mean business, amen? Mean business. We understand that note, a lot of people in the churches hate evil, but we're not loving the Lord and the lost. And so we need to love the Lord. We also need to receive, uh, receive the, uh, the words of the Lord. Receive them. We think about how thankful we need to be. I think we as a church, it's a, it's a praise the Lord when, uh, when, when speakers come to our church and they say, you know, your church isn't like every other church out there. You know, they'll tell pastor, well, you, you got a great church here. They really, there's a great spirit here. And that's a, that's a neat thing. But I, I'd like to encourage you, I'm encourage you that when we come to church, that we need to have a spirit of prayer and the right spirit. If you have something going on in your head, like, you know, you need, to, you need to start, get your mind focused on this. This is the most important thing right here. And the most important part of the services sometimes is the invitation. Believe it or not, I've heard that said by many pastors. And they said, you know, the most important part is the invitation. Right there, when God's working in your heart. But today, we need to let God work in our heart. And he's, he needs to restore some things. Some of us, perhaps, we've lost our first love. And we need to get back into it. We need to get back to him. And get to know him. We think about, think in conclusion, think to when you were first saved. Think about the, when you first got saved. Think about the excitement that you had. You were so excited. You couldn't, you couldn't contain it. You were so excited. What God had done in your life. What Jesus is doing. Listen, that same excitement, you can have that today. But we need to get back to it. Psalm 51 verse 12 says this, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. We need to get back that joy, amen? We as Christians, I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but it's been a couple years of really rough, rough waves, hasn't it? It's been some rough water we've gone through with this uh, COVID and different things like that. But let me encourage you, uh, as we've ran through it, we need to get back to God and get that joy back and get back where God can bless us. I've prayed this in the past, and I used to probably pray it more than I do now, but I, I always pray for certain people. And they could be people that are on fire for God. I'll pray, God, please, get them to a place that you can really bless them even more. Get them to a place that you can bless them. Listen, we need to get to a place where God can bless us. When we follow his word, guess what happens? We get into that area where God can bless us. And when God blesses us, in return, other people are blessed because we're doing what his word says. Getting the gospel out, living for Christ, allowing God's power to work in us and around us. And we need that in our church. And guess what? You're, this valley, this neighborhood needs that too. So I, I challenge you, get back to your first love and what God has done for us. Let's go ahead and stand with your heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe something in the message has spoken to your heart tonight. And certainly we think about what the Lord could do in our lives if we're just surrendered to his will, his word. And, of course, it all starts with salvation. Perhaps you're here today, you don't know Christ as your Savior. There ne there's never been perhaps a time that you personally put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I may encourage you to do that today. Tonight would be the, this would be the day of salvation. God wants us to be saved. And he has done everything is, that is uh, needed for us to be saved. 
The only thing waiting is for us to receive him, that gift of eternal life. He doesn't, he doesn't knock down the door of anybody's heart. He knocks on our heart, and he wants, us to, he wants us to open that door for him. And he wants us to invite him to come into our heart and be that savior that he wants to be for us. Maybe today you'd say, or tonight you'd say, you know what? I've never received Christ as my savior, but I'd like to do that. And as the piano plays and the altar call goes, perhaps you'd like to make some decisions tonight. Maybe tonight you haven't been saved. The altar calls for you. Come forward and we'll have someone show you how to be saved. love. I think of my first love, and that was my wife, Carol. Um, I'm going to say something really crude, but uh, she was my first love, period. When I met her, there was no other love. And uh, God had blessed us. I'd never been with any other woman as far as an intimate relationship, and God had blessed me, and I wasn't raised in a home where I was taught that that's the way it should be, but God worked it out that way, and God sparked my heart with a special love for her, and I was quite the handsome young man back in those days. <laughs> there were other girls that were interested in me, but I wasn't interested in them. I'm not trying to in any way, be braggadocious about it, but God worked that out. I had my pompadour. I had me a nice car. Someone told me that she was interested in me, and I was already interested in her. And I come driving up, and she was out in the front yard. At that time, she's about 16 years old. And she come over there, and I said, I hear you like me. And she says, yes. I do. And I said, well, do you like me this much or do you like me this much? And she says, I like you this much. And that's where our relationship began. And so we've been, we've been together ever since then. And um, the love that the Lord has given me for my wife has grown down through the years. I thought that I had a, a great love for her then. But that love has grown. How sad it is when we have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and we feel that romance in our heart and that love dies. It's no longer there. We have no desire to spend time with him. There's something wrong with that. And God is a very jealous God. 
And uh, that would hurt my wife if she was to learn that my love wasn't there for her anymore. It would hurt me. Can you imagine how it grieves God? And so make sure that you kindle that love with him. Sometimes we have to get alone and just spend some time with the Lord. My wife and I, every now and then, we, in fact, more now than then, <laughs> because uh, we're a little bit more free to do things together. Uh, and so I love spending time with my wife. And we love going on vacations together and just getting alone and driving down the highway and just and fellowshipping and talking about the Lord and talking about the, the memories. Well, the Lord wants that too. He wants you to get along with him and spend time with him. You let that love uh, just kind of burn away to the place to where your heart is no longer on fire for God and there's something else that's going to replace that and it's the love of this world. And that will put you at enmity with God. Because he's a jealous God. You either love him or you love this world. And so make a commitment that you're going to work on your relationship with the Lord. Thank you, Brother John. We're going to close with a word of prayer. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. Uh, continue to pray for our son, Stephen. Uh, he's been in several programs and we've he finally agreed to to go into the program we have him in and he's been there now for what a month or so a little over a month and a half but he finally admitted this afternoon that uh, that it's good for me to be here so pray that um, the Lord will continue to work in him in his heart Crystal meth is a very, very wicked drug, and it leaves such a, an impulse within their mind that uh, they think about it constantly. And um, I've known of, of men that have been in prison for 20 years and clean and sober while in prison, and as soon as they get out, they go right back to it. We had a man like that here in our church, remember Angel? 20 years at Calipatra, released, was a crystal meth addict, and he was out for about three or four months doing really well, and then he stopped coming, and I met up with him one day over in Desert Hot Springs, and he was high on meth again. Later, he was, he was, uh, we're not sure what happened, but he was arrested, and, and somehow died in, in the, uh, jail there in Blythe, California. Uh, no one really knows for sure what happened there, uh, but uh, that's where it will take you. It's a very wicked drug, and um, very, very many people, or very few people that get hooked on it that long have the ability to overcome it, but by the grace of God, there are some that do. And so we covet your prayers for our son that God will give him complete and total victory uh, from this drug. Thank you for your prayers, and we'll look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then we will let you go. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word.
We ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you would somehow rekindle that love that so many have allowed to, to die within their heart, that they would understand and realize that their relationship with you is not what it used to be. And it would trouble them to the point to where they would uh, go back to that first love. And by your grace and with your help, they would desire to draw closer to you. And once again, that they would sense that special experience that they experienced when they had that beautiful encounter with you at the time of their salvation. And they would make sure to embrace and do whatever they can possibly do uh, to keep that relationship burning, to rekindle it to a place to where their heart is aflame with, with a love for you that would bring them to a place of obedience, that your power, your desire, that we understand to be your grace would be upon them in such a rich way to where whatever service they surrender to, it would not be a burden, but it would be a joy and a blessing that they would be allowed to serve you. Just as a husband who truly loves his wife finds it a great joy uh, to labor, to work, to do whatever is necessary, to be the provider, to care for his wife, to nourish his wife, to be there for her, all her needs as she is there for his. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that that kind of relationship would burn within every person under the sound of my voice and that uh, we would see a revival in these days where so many are falling away, we would draw closer. For we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people say it.